Welcome back to Major Combos. My name is Corey and with me every episode is my co-host Matt. Welcome hey, mate. How you going? Good, good. Welcome back. Good to be joined today. Uh, we're very fortunate to have Gil Polglace, the CEO of Lonsdale Education on Zoom. Welcome mate. How are you? Very good boys. Great to be here. Thank you for having me on. G'day. Thanks for taking the time out of your, uh, we know, busy Pleasure. schedule. So we appreciate your time. We're um, excited today. We're going to actually be talking about Crycos education, um, getting into the crux of what that looks like in Australia currently. Obviously, there's some reviews underway. We're going to touch on that a little bit, but give people a, a bit more of an insight into this space. I'm excited to learn a bit about this area. And, and Gil, um, you've been in this space for a long time now. I guess, could yep. you touch on a bit about what Crycos is for those listening that might not have a fully understanding of what it is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like to think of CRICOS as a second layer of registration that a registered training organisation would be approved for by the federal government. Um, the, the acronym itself stands for Commonwealth Register of Institutions and Courses for Overseas Students. And it essentially allows a provider like us to issue a confirmation of enrolment to a prospective overseas student who might be based offshore or who might be based onshore already on a student visa. And with that confirmation of enrollment, they can use that to upload um, and attach to an application for a student visa uh, to Department of Home Affairs. Makes sense. So the, the visa part obviously is critical, you know, for them to be able to come here and study, they've got to go through that process. Correct, correct. Yeah, the visa and, and the, the process that an, a prospective over student uh, overseas student will face coming in here has really been tightened up. Government's done a lot of great work around this um, over the last decade to the point that students need to demonstrate that they are a genuine temporary entrant coming yep. into the country yep. and that the reason that they are coming in on a student visa is to study. And that can be studying um, English, uh, it can be studying a vocational qualification or it can be studied or, or they can be studying with a higher education provider for an undergrad or postgraduate degree. Yeah, and for uh, we we offer Elicos courses, English language courses, as well as VET qualifications. Right, and that's that's what I was going to clarify. What you did is that these are not people from overseas looking to come here to become citizens or residents. Sorry, um, these are actually purely for the intent to study, and then Correct. and then yeah. return back back home, or they they, they can obviously can go through a process of trying to um, stay here if that's yeah. that's part of it. You're spot on, Corey. Yeah, that's exactly right. A lot of the um, the a lot of the application processing uh, requirements that that the case officers at Home Affairs go through will be to weed out those prospective students that want to come here for reasons that may not include study. Yeah. Um, and migration is certainly one of those reasons, but there are other visas that allow um, temporary residents to come into the country and migrate. Student visa is solely uh, to allow people to study, yeah. and that can be in place for one to five years, essentially. Yeah. How long do your students stay with you for? Generally? Uh, typically 12 to 18 months. So the typical profile of our student would be age-wise 18 to 35, um, equal mix of male, female. Um, and they a lot of them are bachelor degree qualified from their country of origin. Oh, wow. And they would come out and do, if, if they're students, let's say from South America, come out and do, say, six months of English with us and then do one or two vocational qualifications after that. And those quals could be in business, hospitality, leadership management, financial services, marketing, communication, project management, things like that. 
And they will also then uh, work here too, which the, the new visa framework, um, the changes announced by the federal government on the 1st of July allow them to work 48 hours a fortnight legally on a student visa. That, that must have taken a few years off your life, the um, managing an RTO that's focused on international education. <laughs> it did, it did yeah. <laughs> Shut the, the borders. Really, yeah, we, yeah, it was certainly a time that I'm not too keen to revisit. Um, but we you started... With, you must have learned a lot um, in that time. We did. Yeah, we did. We did. Um, and look, like all of us, um, we didn't know what the future was going to hold. Um, we knew that we had, you know, we had probably around 15, 1600 students at that point in time, probably around February 2020. Uh, down here in Victoria, um, everything closed around March, April, essentially in that in that um, year. And then our numbers just progressively dwindled. We did we did still keep students studying, but um, the numbers did uh, certainly dwindle. And we were very thankful that um, borders reopened in late 2021. I can only imagine it's not a um, it's not like anything anybody's ever faced the the like a sheer cut. Of... Well, there there were two there were two you know um, I guess key factors there. One, borders were closed, but also two, overseas temporary residents based in the country um, were encouraged to go home. Mm. Um, with the emphasis being on obviously True. taking care of citizens first and foremost. So, you know, the offshore market was no longer there and the onshore market was being depleted by the week, essentially. And you, obviously we've come through that and probably learned lots in that time, but, you know, you got a lot more interest, people coming back and they're really interested in coming back to Australia. Oh, look, yeah, it's, it's, it's huge, Matt. We knew throughout that time from our discussions with agents uh, in South America um, that there was going to be significant demand. We didn't quite anticipate the level of that demand. It was um, 2022 was an enormous year for us. Um, we enrolled a lot of students into the English language uh, courses from principally in South America. So a lot out of Colombia, Brazil, um, Peru, Chile, uh, some out of Mexico even. So, you know, for, for, for us, that was super important. That was a really big bounce back year for us. Um, and then we're seeing that basically hold steady um, at the moment, albeit with a bit more of, um, I guess, a careful review by Department of Home Affairs onto some of those markets as well. So, you know, the number of temporary residents in the country is swollen enormously. And with that also brings probably greater scrutiny by Home Affairs on, on just, you know, running the ruler over potential applicants from offshore. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're, I mean, you're... Um... You know, we we encountered each other over the years, um, and and finally got to meet after the separation of borders um, not long ago. But uh, you know, yeah. your operations are very sharp, and obviously, you know, the students coming back. They, you know, can you talk a little bit about what they're looking for? Like, what's the, you know, is there a, um, you know, Lonsdale's been very successful. We've got a number of campuses, and and the stuff I've seen, you know, it's a really impressive, um, impressive operation. Is there the pieces of the pie that the, you know, the that you know, you don't hear what the students that they find something, they discover something when they land that, you know, you learn that they, yeah. they should have asked the question. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's a really good question. And we've, you know, from my own personal travels and going to South America and talking to the agents and our referral partners that will enroll students with us, it's very much looking for a lifestyle that is different than theirs. And obviously, you know, we are very, very far away from South America, but, you know, um, there's always opportunities for jobs. Um, there's opportunities to maintain a great lifestyle here, um, meet new people, um, under, undertake English in this type of a, in this environment. Um, so those, those are still really strong assets that Australia has. 
And from my own um, travels, there is no shortage in the number of students that are wanting to travel to Australia. And that's even in, in, in the light of increased inflationary pressures around the world, cost of airfares increasing, um, accommodations an issue now in Australia, you know, where, you know, um, have, um, you know, very low unemployment. So those are starting, you're starting to see a little bit more pressure there. But by and large, you know, we are still a, a great country, um, a destination country for people to travel to from overseas. And we also see that out of Europe too. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I was going to ask a point of question, but, you know, like everyone has assumptions, you know, you, I've heard lots of stories over the years in this space that, you know, they're just here for a good time and not really here for the education. But, you know, could you dispel that myth? Like there's people here that are for that? Oh, look, there's, there's, there's definitely some people that are here for, for a good time and, and not really for the education. Absolutely. Um, and there are certainly providers out there that will cater to that market. I think one of the, one of the, um, the more important factors that has become evident in the last, I'd say, decade is there now is a much greater emphasis on trying to produce work-ready graduates from whatever um, course they over here may be studying, whether that's a vocational qual or, or, or a higher education degree. So there's more of an emphasis on trying to partner with industry to understand the needs of the employer and how we can better skill up a prospective uh, graduate to go to work in that in that particular industry, even if it is just for a short period of time, even if, if, if there's no full time uh, migration outcome for them, it's still something that you know we we try hard to um, achieve with a lot of our graduates. But there are still some that will come for a good time, and they'll they'll do the bare minimum. Um, they will travel in Australia. They'll they'll meet like minded individuals. They'll have a good time, and then go back. Um, and you know, work for themselves, or work for their family, or you know, work for someone else in their country of origin. Yeah, I was I was reading an article recently. Um, it was in the Australian, I think, and it was talking about the value that the international market bring, not just in education, but like the jobs or it's just economy in general. The economy in general, you know, yeah. they're, they're they're keeping they're at the shops working late, or they are they're out and they're going out late. Uh, you know, they're going and doing yeah. the tourism things and going and visiting yeah. parts of Australia where, and they're spending money in parts of Australia that you know, we often decide to go and fly overseas and go and do something else, whereas they, they're wanting to go and explore yeah. Australia. I, I think the other, the other that, that's all very, very true. Um, the other thing that it's really worth noting here is that when those overseas students come into the country, they don't get a free ride. They have to pay tax. They need private health insurance. Otherwise, they won't even get a visa. Um, if they have children, they need to pay for their, their child's school fees as well. So, you know, they are over here working you know, as hard as anyone essentially to support themselves. They will have to show an amount of money to come into the country, which I believe is somewhere from 23 to 25,000 Australian dollars, thereabouts for, for a year to support themselves. But I would say, if not all, the vast majority of our students work um, and really take advantage of those um, working hours that the student visa affords them um, to support themselves here, um, as well as possibly send money back home. Yeah. What about, you just touched on it then around them all working and, and the link to industry. What does that look like? I guess, you know, they they don't have any of that when they come here. That's something that, that Lonsdale provides. You guys are, you're engaged we, with we industry. Don't, we don't provide jobs as such. So no, we, we will never the connection. guarantee. Yeah, connection. So we can certainly facilitate um, uh, interviews and appointments yep. with prospective employers. Case in point, the hospitality sector. As a family group, we have interest in hospitality as well. Yep. And we have some collaborators and stakeholders that we that we work very, very closely with in hospitality, catering and event management. 
and we're active in trying to secure our students' employment within those particular fields. And we work with the owners of some of these businesses to obtain feedback into how we should possibly structure some of our qualifications in the hospitality sector, as well as look at what type of short industry training courses that we could be bringing on that, that best service the needs of the consumer and also the business. Yeah. So there's a recognition that students will do qualifications whilst they're here, but also some that are already working in the industry might need a bit more English, for instance, or you know might need some more practical skills uh, uh, courses, which don't involve them necessarily applying for a whole new student visa. So it's that, you know, it, that link with industry is very, very strong. And it's something that um, is difficult to get right. And you need to be on top of that basically every six months in order to ensure that, you know, the calls and the courses that you're delivering are, are current um, and actually producing competent graduates. Vivay, do you think that... Um... Their, their pathway, you see a lot go through pathway through to university or they, they're really keen to get that work experience? Oh, look, a lot, of, a lot of our students probably wouldn't go to university. Um, you know, to look at, say, um, a university, you know, fees for university are vastly different than ours. Um, our students might pay anywhere from, you know, five to 6,000 Australian dollars for a year's worth of tuition. Um, university is going to be, you know, minimum $15,000 a year on top of that. So, yeah. you know, not all of them will go to university, that's for sure. Um, some are happy to do a year here, 18 months, um, and then go home. You mentioned before that, um, obviously, that it's a competitive market now, and there's still, from your travels, there's still a desire for people to come to Australia. Yeah. There's, there's obviously other opportunities for them to go to different countries, um, like, you mentioned Australia, but specifically within Australia where you guys are located strategically, uh, like is there certain things that people are looking for coming here? Like obviously I imagine, you know, and just from my own understanding, Cairns is, a, is an attractive location for people. Um, no doubt Cairns is a nice place to go to. Is that yeah. like how much does that play into it as well? You mentioned because they come here for lifestyle as well. Like how much does that play into it? Yeah, it plays a lot into it, um, Corey. So if you look at, we, we have a campus in Bondi Junction, for instance, there's a lot of the South American students in Sydney living around that particular region and they love yep. it because of Bondi Beach. Of course. Um, yep. You know, it's a warmer climate, you know, it's that surf culture that is super popular. Yep. Um, then on the other hand, you look at students coming here from Colombia, all right, also from South America, but from Colombia, who think that Bondi is a different city. It's not another, it's, it's, they don't see it as a, another suburb within Sydney. So yeah. from our point of view, it's, it's a question of educating them. No, this is actually a 15 minute, you know, car ride or, or 15 minute bus ride or tra yeah. train ride. So, you know, there is, there's that sort of dispelling a little bit of a myth there too. Um, Cairns is great for a lot of the, I believe, um, tourist visa holders and working yeah. visa holders and, you know, any of your listeners um, might have a stronger understanding of the migration framework than I do, but I believe there's a requirement to do six months in a regional location. And so that's why a lot of right. them will go cut sugarcane, you know, work in Cairns, work in Port Douglas in the hospitality um, sector. And, you know, coming back from Port Douglas, I was there a week ago, you know, Spanish is so widely spoken amongst, you know, any of the restaurants you go into amongst the staff. Yep. So you've been doing this for a long time. Have you learned any languages? <laughs> he's like yeah i speak I've learned, 15 i've learned about five words of multiple languages to be honest <laughs> just the just key just ones <laughs> yeah yeah that's exactly right I, I know enough i think to know what i'm being sworn at uh, but, it, but it's 
you know, it's please, thank you, um, yeah. hello, how are you, all the rest of it, you know. Um, and, and you know, we have, Australians have a very good reputation overseas, so people are always very excited to understand, you know, where you're from, what's Melbourne like, what's Sydney like, what's Perth like, Brisbane, etc. So, you know, um, there is still that huge demand and the, and the lifestyle is great, and particularly, let's say, you know, Sydney, which is a few degrees warmer than where I am, which is in Melbourne, you know, all year round. Yeah, that's interesting. You were saying, obviously, there's heaps of demand and and I briefly mentioned that things have changed a lot um, earlier when we were talking just about since yeah. you've, you've been in it since 2008, but the market's shifted a lot since then. You know, where, yeah. I mean, we can talk a little bit about the past, but where, you you know, maybe it, that might give a bit of context to people, but is it, you know, where do you see it going or, what, you know, is there shaping of this um, new education market for the internationals? Where do you see Yeah, look, the, the, um, the Home, Affair, uh, Home Affairs Minister Claire O'Neill commissioned a, a review of the migration system in Australia um, earlier this year, and I believe that report was handed into the federal government toward the end of March this year. Um, and that's designed to, I think, first of all, assess um, feedback from the market. Um, what types of, um, you know, visas are there? What type of pathways out are there for international students coming through to actually become more productive in the labour market? So they're looking at things like perhaps better, a requirement for better English language skills. Um, you know, do vocational qualifications really actually match the needs of, of industry? You know, is there a misalignment there? Um, there's exploitation of workers in the market as well by, you know, some unscrupulous um, business operators and also education providers. So a lot of that um, has been looked at. I think it will lead to a, uh, a, um, you know, a more tight um, uh, interpretation of, of the visa policy framework. Um, and I think it, it's going to better skew, you know, that match between, you know, skilled labour and what employers really want. Um, and also to, I think, to probably weed out some of the providers in the market that will deliberately, deliberately offer low quality courses and qualifications that, um, you know, don't require any attendance whatsoever. Um, and who I think have probably principally been set up, um, you know, as, um, you know, a mechanism to enable, you know, a bit more fraud within the market. Is there any you tips know? you've got for like an emerging, like, you know, or even a one side of the token, I guess, is a student, like if they're coming in, what to, how to, how to help with those two areas that they need or you Look, know, we, on the we, 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 yeah, we can provide accommodation through homestay providers. Plus also, um, you know, there are dedicated um, quasi hotels type set up um, for overseas students. So we, we leave that to the people that um, run that as their core business. And we, we pretty much act as an enabler for that. Um, so, you know, those, um, you know, those, um, um, homestay um, providers also are separate, so they will actually welcome people into their homes. They need to be properly vetted, approved, have appropriate insurance in place, things like that. Um, the other places are more, not, not quite youth hostels, but, you know, at a couple of levels above that. So, you know, do offer one, two bedroom um, options for students to stay in. Um, but that can be, you know, quite expensive as well. So a lot of that stuff uh, generally won't come as a surprise to a student because obviously when you are looking at moving countries, you know, you need to have an understanding of what the labour market is like, you know, what type of English do I need? Where am I going to live? How far is, you know, the transport from where I'm living into, you know, my, my um, basically school every day or work. So a lot of that stuff 
um, is covered off prior to. And there's also very strong social network groups, particularly on Facebook, with a lot of, um, say, South American students, European students, students from Asian nationalities as well that will look out to, to help one another. And, and then I guess from a business side, what's the, like if I was interested in like reaching out to you and saying, hey, I, I don't know, I would like to um, offer some hours to a, to one of your yep. students that's studying, um, I don't know, accounting or I, yep. I don't know you did what, what was it finance financial yeah there's financial there's diploma of business project management things like that if that if, if that's the case what what we will do is very much again act as an enabler for that so we could we will say to a prospective employee look what are what are what are the parameters of the job do you have a draft job description you know can you give us as much information as possible with respect to what you think a wage might look like um, you know, then we explain that there's obviously, you know, students going to need a tax file number, possibly an ABN, they're going to have to have, um, you know, superannuation fund, things like that. So as much of that that we can explain um, up front, we will. But it's probably a good segue into the role of the agents onshore as well, because the agents also play a very active role in supporting the students from their home country in Australia. So they will pretty much help with application for a visa, for instance. Um, and then if there are, um, you know, working holiday visas down the track or other such visas, they will certainly stay involved with that too. Um, and they'll also have links into accommodation and employment markets for students as well. So, so they're we, involved, which, sorry, they're involved the whole way through though? So Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Student yeah. journey, they're involved. Correct. Yeah. And that's a very competitive market as well. Yep. So, um, you know, they will stay. And, and a lot of those agents will have, you know, links back to people's parents, for instance, to give them updates on, you know, yep. you know how, and my, I must say, we only admit adults. So everybody's over the age of 18 that studies yep. with us. So but still parents will have a very active role in a number of instances in understanding how their child's going. Um, you know, are there issues of um, social welfare, you know, depression, um, housing problems, um, you know, can't, can't manage cash flow, loss of a job, things like that, relationship breakdown. So, you know, we also will provide support networks for overseas students in that in those areas as well. And we do that in conjunction with Study Victoria, Study New South Wales, um, as well as um, staff on um, on yeah, members of our staff that have um, counselling backgrounds, things like that. I've just like from our own view and i'm just thinking about like us operating a, a training organization in the vet sector you know we we provide traditional trades apprenticeships and the like and and short courses you're you're dealing with an international market there's a lot of complexity just listening to you. i think about how much complexity we have in our business makes me feel better it does it's like <laughs> i'm kind of sitting here thinking holy hell like you, you know like just administration alone right like you've got so many aspects i i understand what you're saying it sounds like you have to lean a lot on partners. You know, there's a big emphasis yep. on collaboration and partnerships. And I'm just, yep. I was thinking about how we can learn from that in our sector. Um, Cause yours is almost out of necessity, right? Cause you've just got so many different dynamics. You can't do it all yep. yourself. Um, yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly right. You know, and, and, you know, when it comes down to, you know, recruiting a student, I mean, you know, we rely very heavily on those partners and we, we pay a fairly hefty commission you know, to those yeah. referral partners and agencies that will send a student our way, you know, um, and we work with them very, very closely because if we um, if we have if we provide a confirmation of enrolment um, to a prospective student, we would expect that student to obtain a visa. 
where they have a visa refused, it's essentially a black mark against our name as an education provider. Right. And that's set up deliberately to stop providers just simply swamping the immigration system with hundreds of thousands of applications. Yeah. So if you receive, you know, a lot of different visa refusals, um, it will affect your ranking in the eyes of Department of Home Affairs. And every month um, we have our um, our ranking um, reassessed by Home Affairs. So, um, and that's a assessment one, two, or three. Um, and if you're an assessment level three provider, it can be harder for students to apply to study with you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's greater um, evidence that needs to be shown. And if you're an assessment level one provider, those evidentiary um, levels are still, those thresholds are still there, but not to the same extent as what um, you'd face if you were applying with a level three provider. So you've got, you know, you need to manage the compliance profile with ASQA, the regulator. Yep. Um, your, your, you know, sort of visa compliance um, protocols with Department of Home Affairs. You've got your agency relationships. You've got your employment relationships. You have relationships with accommodation providers as well. And then it's managing the student onshore as well with you because if, they, if they're not progressing through their course adequately, we have to have systems and um, processes and procedures in place to assist them in that and understand what may have gone wrong with that. And also from a compliance point of view, we're bound to report on the activities of a student if they don't pay their fees, if they abscond, if they're not progressing through their course, they're not attending. And that will also have a big impact on the student journey. So it won't, we can't ever affect anyone's visa, but we can can actually, the mechanism of control we have is to report to Department of Home Affairs on their confirmation of enrollment and how they're progressing. So something that I'm curious about, just coming back to like the collaboration part there is you mentioned there that you get this grading, that's Department of Home Affairs that control that aspect of it. At, yep. at the very beginning, and I apologize if I missed this, but at the very beginning of this conversation, you mentioned that you look at it as a second layer of um, RTO, you know, going into this market. It's like a second layer. Who Who's giving you that approval? Was that, um, that's Department of Home Affairs as well? No, that's actually the, the, the CRICOS approval comes from, I believe it's it's ultimately Department of Education, which will be, um, but it's, it's the Australian Skills Quality Authority yep. that still sits um, through ASCA, but it's, yeah, I guess I was more thinking about because there's no funding attached to any of this. These is all self-funded, but, Correct. but Department of Home Affairs is it's sort of, you know, c- kind of controlling your destiny a little bit in the sense of rating systems and the like. What's that relationship like for you guys? And, you know, is there a good open dialogue between you guys? Is it a partnership in the sense that you guys work together for the outcomes and for the, the betterment of the industry? Like, how, how does Look, that department, work? Department of Home Affairs publishes a lot of great statistics and we have our statistics that are released, I think, on the 6th of every month, essentially. Yep. Um, and they will also do, there's some seminars from time to time. Um, and there's obviously the, the, the information on the website now with respect to visa statistics is, is really quite current, which is yep. terrific. So I think that's sort of each month they come out. Um, but in terms of us, we, it's really our education provider report that we look at. And there's a certain, um, you know, they will list all the um, countries that we've had that we have active visas uh, with yep. or students from those countries have active visas as well as those that um, have visas that have been refused um, and also an indication of uh, the number of students that may have moved on to, say, a temporary protection visa, which I believe is um, sort of otherwise known as a refugee visa. So there's things like that that Home Affairs monitors with us yeah. to ensure that we are actually looking to bring people into the country that are as genuine as they possibly could be, um, you know, in their intents to study and not just coming in for alternate reasons, essentially. Yeah. 
we we learnt something um, uh, the other week. We were talking to um, the Australian Apprentice of the Year, and, and she had some really great um, slogans. Slogans, but uh, you know, she kept it simple. Um, and one of the questions around that w- with her was just about you know how do you how do you be a good apprentice or how do you be a good employer? I guess the same. You know, for you, if if somebody was considering coming to Australia as a student, or you know, what a how would they be a good student and and or a contributor to the Australian market, and, yeah. and vice versa? You know, if an employer was to take somebody on, you know, how could they how could they do that? Um, you know, well, you know, would you have any thoughts on that? Or yeah, look, um, hopefully this does this this goes somewhat answer your question, but but I, I think from our point of view, uh, and I know we did this uh, throughout two thousand and twenty two, we actively put prospective students coming into the country in contact with employers here in order to understand more about them as a person, business opportunities here so that they could theoretically line up a job before they even arrived. That was in the hospitality sector as well, where, you know, which along with tourism was, was you know, decimated yeah. through COVID. So um, that gave an employer the opportunity to ask those types of questions and get a feel for, you know, level of English and, you know, commitment to work and what are you doing here and how are you going to balance your work-life um, commitments, essentially, things like that. So, you know, that you know, that was super important and critical. Other than that, it's more just, you know, I think trying to ascertain that once a student is onshore, but but certainly to do it offshore, um, you know, provides everyone with a lot more degree of certainty. Um, and it also, um, I, I believe it also may um, provide a bit of a, um, I, I guess, a stronger, um, or maybe stronger is the incorrect word here. It might, it might go a little bit of a further way to proving that they are genuine in their attempts to come here. So they can support themselves, for instance, um, they will have a part-time or casual job and, you know, they can they can study uh, at the same time. So it's, you know, it's not coming here, you know, purely for I'm looking for a full-time job. I don't really want to study, you know, and sometimes those statements are made um, when the prospective students are applying for an overseas student visa um, and nearly in all instances they are refused because it's, you know, it's not what the visa is about. So, you know, home affairs plays a critical role. Post offices play a critical role in understanding, you know, um, a lot about the student's background, what studies they've done, um, you know, what their English is like, where they're from, is there incentive for them to go home and work with mum and dad or themselves or with an employer after that? Or is there not much of an incentive to go home, which might mean there's a greater incentive to stay in Australia? And how does that sort of skew the assessment as to whether or not they're um, granted a visa? Sounds like a lot. <laughs> there's, there's a, there's a, you know, <laughs> just open the door and bring international students in. It's not really, um, there's a lot for the, and, and that's, you know, it's, it's so many a, things it, to consider. There's so much to consider. And yeah. the part that I think, you know, a lot of assumptions are made about, like, you know, I, until I got really into education space, you know, the assumption was, oh, an international student came here with heaps of money and they were just here for a good time, but they are making a contribution and they're working, a yeah. lot of them. Most of them paying you, tax. They're paying tax. Okay. Oh, I didn't realize all uh, that. Look, yeah. look ab- absolutely. And there's no doubt there are some students in the country that will come from wealthy families and are independently yeah. wealthy, and they don't need to work, and they might be here for a good time. Um, that's not the profile of our students. You yeah. know, they, um, you know, these guys work really, really hard. Um, you know, they're keen for the work, um, and in many, many instances, they're you know respectful and thankful for for an employment opportunity. Um, so, and as I said, you know, they pay, they pay tax, they pay their own way all the way through. It's, it, there's no free rides here. 
mm. you know, for the for their students. So, you know, um, that's why it's you know fourth biggest contributor to you know our economy. You know, there's the tuition yeah. fees and there's all the ancillary um, benefits that come with it, and and yeah, ancillary services that they're consuming at the same time. Yeah. What about um, the way you actually provide? We haven't really touched much on it around how you actually educate these students when they're here. Um, yep. Yeah, that's a good. What does that look like? Like, I'm, I'm just intrigued, you know, because I imagine I think about you. You know, do you have to have these amazing facilities to cover off everything and you know, they're obviously working as well. Like, what does that look like? How's your delivery method and, and what's that? Yeah, stuff? look, it, that's a really good question. So um, first thing to know is that overseas students uh, are effectively required, required to be timetabled for 20 hours per week. Right. Um, and in the case of, say, English language, um, that is 20 hours face-to-face every week. Okay. Um, and, and again, if students don't attend that, we are bound to report them for non-attendance. Vocational qualifications also require face-to-face, but you are um, and you are permitted legally to offer no more than a third of that qualification via online means as well, which provides right. a bit more of that that flexibility because it's perhaps not quite as intense as as it is learning English language, for instance. So, in the case of vocational quals, um, this is competency-based. <clears throat> so this is not essentially pass and fail like it might be for say a bachelor's degree. This is competency-based. You need to demonstrate that you're competent in the, the, the assessment protocols of a particular unit of delivery, all right? Um, and there's different ways of achieving that particular competency. That can be practical demonstration. In the case of hospitality, for instance, there's a lot of practical demonstration with that. If you're running courses like childcare, um, hairdressing, beauty, that's all practically based. If you are doing more theoretical uh, qualifications like diploma of business, diploma of project management, for instance, then that's more probably classroom based and an assignment type. And that still um, has that yeah. restriction of being a third online as well. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's something that the federal government is looking at the moment too. Um, through COVID, um, obviously, all education providers moved online. Nobody, well, particularly down here, was allowed to, um, you know, everyone had to work from home essentially and study from home. Yeah, and that whilst we all scrambled and and did what we could to get students learning via Zoom, um, a number of, uh, you know, I guess there were some lessons from that that meant that we could probably teach more via Zoom and more via uh, online platforms. But in our case, you wouldn't want to do that 100% because the value of the time spent with us is between the trainer and the student in the classroom. And that's where there is knowledge that is actually imparted. Um, so, you know, online is very much a, a support um, mechanism um, and, you know, they're, they're, you can't ever really replace that face-to-face um, side of that, that delivery and assessment. Yeah. It's, it's uh, because, our, you know, we do, a, I guess, the day in the life of a student, but I mean, we have students who come for a, a day or they come for a few days or a week or we've got them for four years, you know, you're... Your students typically come in for is it is it it's Monday to Friday? Or you do night times. What do you? What's the? Yeah, yeah. The time, yeah, the timetable will, will depend. So with the English language um, courses, they'll typically run. It's that that sort of uh, morning shift. So it might go from eight to twelve, for instance, and then in the evenings as well. And vocational might be more afternoon based with some evenings and some weekends as well. Okay. Uh, as well as obviously, you know, there's there's online there too. So it can just depend on the timetable. Um, and that you know, sort of factors you've obviously learned that over the years it's to do with 
meeting work requirements or the days when the weather's good for surfing. All that, so. and, that, and that's <laughs> the thing. And that, that's, that's Bondi's only so, nighttime because you know, they're surfing. Yeah. There, there is a bit of a, um, you know, the primary reason for a student visa is to study. Um, you know, the work rights are there, um, but it's not the other way around. So, you know, there are some times where students say, well, but I'm working. And we're like, well, this is the timetable. So, you know, you might get a bit of um, pushback in that instance. But generally speaking, we try to find a happy medium between allowing students to work, which they need to, and they are allowed to do legally, and obviously their studies with us. It, so. it, I, I said it, you know, you would have learned a lot over the COVID times, and, and I, I learned a lot for us as well. And I got asked to be on a, uh, ask some questions about some learnings that we had in our interactions with government um during that time and um you know one of the things i said to them if they could do anything um uh, going forward it would be to uh, make decisions swiftly like they were able to do you know and often in the past you know there would be lots of excuses why it took so long but we proved that you could make them swiftly and you uh pivot as you need to quickly if if required and i said to them wholeheartedly you know, if you could cut everything else away, you know, progress over perfection, let's get into it. And if we have to perfect it or move, pivot a little bit, let's do that. Um, you know, but we have proved that we can get a qual up and going. We can do yep. roll that out quickly. We can provide it to people really quickly. Is there a lesson that you learned through that, you know, either your engagement with government or just, you know, within industry that, you know, you think would be a great thing that continues beyond? Yeah, look, I, I, I think... I agree with what you said. I mean, we we generally had to pivot super quickly. And I'd say, you know, lesson learned that, you know, we we certainly made mistakes through that period of time. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, prove that we can adapt when we need to. We can be nimble um, when we need to be. Um, and in a situation like that, that you really don't have any choice, you have to make it work, you know, to the best of your ability. Um, you know, and, and in a lot of instances, you know, initially it was far from ideal. Um, so, you know, but we did, we did, fall into a groove with that. And we did actually um, realise that there were some real benefits in, in doing what we were doing. Um, however, for the students' best interest, and I'm probably more referring to just studying online, um, you know, students were keen to come back um, and do face-to-face -face learning um, very much. So, you know, I know, as I said, you know, government's reviewing all that at the moment. And I think pretty much feedback from the industry would, con would, would pretty much confirm that that you know, there's a need for some online and for us to, to, to pivot when we need to be in order to remain current for 2023 and beyond standards of teaching, delivering assessment. Um, and that and that's also, you know, I know we sort of, we were gonna to touch a little bit on sort of the use of AI and, um, yeah. uh, you know, technology in, in um, learning, we can certainly come to that, but, you know, um, that that face-to-face -face side of it um and just having a you know an adaptable curriculum that that is able to offer a blended side of it of face-to-face -face and online with possibly some utilization technologies is probably where we find ourselves at this stage so that's so probably the key learning so for the, me. yeah so the government were they showed that they were able to work with you to navigate an issue rather than to oh look yeah absolutely asqua really provided a lot of support to providers throughout this period of time as well and actively said look through this period of time we acknowledge that the you know you can't train face to face these are what you you know, these are the requirement compliance requirements you need to be aware of when you're doing online um, study um, and so we did feel we were you know supported by them throughout that period of time um, at least i did yeah I, I mean i want i my hope is that you know we don't need a 
pandemic to have that style of thinking. You know, we we can think differently. We can go, you know, what what's some outside the box thinking? Because we we were able to prove the roll up a qual quickly, deploy it, put it out there, yep. and offer something. It was yep. like very quick, faster than I've ever seen it done. Um, yeah, you know, sure. There's we learned some lessons and there was mistakes made, but you know they were corrected as we went along the path. Um, yeah, than it all and, and you're right. The, the government has realised that. You know, the regulator has realised that. They've sought feedback from the industry. You know, and that's making its way into, you know, the review of the the um, ESOS Act, which is Education Services for Overseas Students Act. Um, you know, which which ultimately d dictates how we have to train overseas student visa holders. So. You know, there there is that acknowledgement and understanding of that. Um, what final decisions are made with respect to how that could be amended, I don't quite know at this stage. But um, you know, I think it will. If you look at say, um, I'll give you a good example would be the increase of the work hours for overseas students from forty a fortnight to forty eight a fortnight. You know, that's an example of understanding. Well, now you know the market's moved, and you know we should be looking to probably provide more hours. It's a high standard. Of, it's a high cost of living in Australia now, so. You know, moving that up um, additional hours gives them the chance to make more money. Yeah. Do you so, think that'll you continue know, to change? Do you think 48 is where it stays? I think for the foreseeable future, it's where it stays. I can't imagine it moving beyond that, you know, for the next, you know, foreseeable what, future. What's, what's the concern in having it more? Um, the concern is that students come here to work, not study. Yeah, okay. So it's the balance yeah. of what's it's most, what's primarily, yeah. what's the most, yeah, what's the most important factor? Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's it's achieving that balance and understanding what are the aims of the student visa. Yeah, you know, if the aims were to promote fifty percent study, fifty percent um, work, then it mm. would be different. But it's, you know, it would be diff different, um, perhaps policy setting on the visa. But it, it's very much, excuse me, designed to say, well, we acknowledge that you're a student. You do need to work while you're here, and we think this is this is the appropriate number of hours, you know, yeah. for you, based on a timetable of twenty hours a week. Yeah. Do you think that could be? Do you think there could be um, maybe some specific design around that for specific industries? You know, obviously, I think about from our sector, there's obviously pro what they call priority qualifications or skill shortage areas. Could they yep. adjust the international side of things to suit that as well? Like, I don't think I don't think there would be an adjustment on work hours, but there's definitely um, from a migration point of view, there are definitely uh, occupations and professions. Yeah, priority yeah. skill priority list um, or skill occupation list. I think it's uh, whether it's still called that, where you know if you are appropriately qualified, have the experience, you meet other requirements, say English language, then you know you might be offered a um, you know um, permanent residency based on you know your ability to work within that particular field of where there's a critical skill shortage. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But I, I don't think it would be skewed to the point of, you know, you as a student visa, you can have 50 hours a week and you can have or 40, uh, yeah. sorry, per fortnight and you yeah. can have 40 Might be per more. fortnight. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's fair. Very good. Well, you got we've learned. No, well, yeah. look, I think, I mean, like we've seemed to end these conversations and we're like, well, that's, we go down this road and we go down that road. There's, there's a lot, lot to, there's a lot yeah. to learn. I mean, I'll always say, uh, you know, we hope to continue the conversation and, and, you know, have you on again or even, you know, meet one of your students that, you know, so they could tell their story, um, I think would be. Valuable. Yeah, I think, I think, you know, certainly um, would be very happy to entertain that with you guys at any time um, and also have a discussion with our sales and marketing staff as well that are, you know, pretty much all ex-overseas students that we've employed because, 
yeah, you right. know, they understand the journey. Yeah. So, you know, when we are selling, um, you know, education to them, we need to be really mindful of, of everything that they have gone through or are going to go through coming into Australia and, and um, you know, enjoying their time here, not just with us, but, you know, within the country, irrespective yeah. of where they can travel and who they're going to meet. It's like every conversation we've had, you know, I've definitely taken the learning out of it. You know, you, 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 again, the age old saying, don't assume anything because you, um, you know, things we've, we've talked about today, definitely like, you know, the students. Don't believe got, what you read. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, you know, that they are, you know, the paying tax and all that sort of stuff. Like, you know, I've yeah, been told yeah, things where, oh, no, and, they, and don't, that, they don't make that. That is a misconception with a lot of people. And, yeah. and you know, perhaps that they're here to take others, other people's jobs and, and they're not, you know, it's, it's I can tell you because we, we employ a lot of, um, ex overseas student visa, or not just in sales and marketing, but in our finance and administration teams. Um, and, you know, they work just as hard as the rest of us and, you know, are very much just like us, just enjoying an experience in a different country for a, a short period of their life. Yeah. Yeah, Great. definitely. And it, and just the, something I took away, two things I really took away was I take my hat off to you with the amount of uh, <laughs> administration and process that you have. It's, it's certainly uh, astounding yeah. just listening to it. And uh, having some, yeah, you have to, you must have some really good people in your business to to make that happen because um, it's no. We do, task. yeah. We 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 have a great team, and it's um, you know, um, obviously who I'm re representing, you know, Lonsdale Institute, but um, you know, nothing would happen without them, you know, yeah. and that's um, that's our team here and in, in in Melbourne and Sydney as well. But but as I said, I mean, you know, we've we've come a long way from you know fairly humble beginnings in 2007, um, and as I said, you know made mistakes and, you know, done some things correctly along the way and um, never forget sort of where we came from or never sort of get too big for, um, you know, our boots, so to speak, yeah. you know, so make, you know, making sure that we, you know, are proactive with our referral partners, um, doing the right thing from a compliance point of view and a regulatory perspective. Um, and, you know, uh, just as importantly, ensuring that the, um, you know, the student is looked after, you know, through their time here. Yeah. Most importantly. Yeah. Yep. We're very much the same. We appreciate your time, Gil. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Fantastic. Um, Corey, Matt, it's been great. Really appreciate the opportunity and um, love to come on again at some point. We will. All right. So great. All right. That ends the episode. Um, Take care. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, all the usual socials at Major Convos. Please share, leave us a review. Um, yeah, we'll 